Hello, and welcome to Alpha Pod Flight, where every episode a guest joins me to talk about a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. My name is Gareth A. Hopkins, and this time I'm joined by Ken Reynolds, and we're talking about Alpha Flight number six. Um, the creative team on it were John Byrne, who did story and art, uh, Michael Higgins did the lettering, Andy Yankus did the colouring, editing was by Linda Grant, part of Assistant Editors Month, and Jim Shooter was the guiding light or editor-in-chief for the time. Uh, right, Ken, can you introduce yourself briefly? Or introduce yourself for as long as you like, it's up to you. Uh, I'm Ken Reynolds. I wear lots of hats in small press comics. I write, I try and draw, and I edit here and there. Oh, and I letter, I letter mostly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you very much. Right, so the first thing I'm going to do, uh, I should say, before we go in, is that Alpha Flight number 6, whose title is Snowblind, is probably the most famous issue of Alpha Flight. When you say that you're, you like Alpha Flight, people ask you about this issue. Um, I must the, admit, it is the only one that I was aware of, just yeah. because what is in it. Yeah, it's a good it's it's a good one, uh, and it's uh, it highlights a lot of the reasons that I enjoy John Byrne's run on Alpha Flight. Um, but what I'll do is first of all ask you to um, give a brief synopsis. It's actually broken. Have you got both parts of the issue? Uh, yeah, because there's an extra the, a little thing about shaming in the background. Yeah, yeah in the yeah. back. Yeah. All right. So yeah, if you could just um, give a brief synopsis of what happens. Okay, so I'm just trying to remember now. <laughs> you haven't got it open in front of you, it's unbelievable. I have got it open in front of me, yeah. Huh. And I, I do remember the start of it because I remember being quite taken with the idea that you can be locked up for absences at work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to remember character names. Oh, don't, uh, uh, I wouldn't worry too much about character names because I never remember them anyway. Um, but there is... Uh, an army boss, Aurora in her, uh, not Aurora, Snowbird, sorry, in her RCMP uniform. And she's getting told off because of her flighty um, approach to her work schedule. Apparently (laughs) her old boss used to give her quite a bit of freedom and she used to be able to come and go as she pleased, but her new boss, who's got a scary moustache and two-tone hair, um, hasn't got any truck with that and wants to control the women underneath him, obviously. So he locks her up, which I thought was a bit harsh. Meanwhile, there's oil drilling in... Is it no... No. In uh, 40 miles north, it says. 40 miles north of so, where they Yeah. And um, they unleash some magical energy, which brings about... Is it Colmac? Colomac? Yeah, that's it. Colomac. Which... And I've read up to... I did read... All of the issues up to number six. Yeah. So it's the second. What would you say? Elemental spirit. They're the great beasts. Great beasts. I think that's what they're called. Uh, yeah, they're great beasts. So this is the second of that ilk that the comics um, dealt with, and the first one was that the very first issue. Yeah, where, where yeah. they beat Tundra. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's all of them, which is what I'll get on to later. Right. <laughs> and Snowbird escapes from the prison cell. Uh, leaving a nice hole in the wall, and off she goes for the 40 miles. And then Guardian, it's Guardian, not Vindicator anymore, Yep, is flying around to his house, where his 
left there, where he finds a letter from the Roxxon Corporation. Yeah. Those evil bastards. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, that's really odd, actually. That doesn't really go anywhere in this issue, does it? It doesn't go anywhere in this issue. It huh. actually leads up to a, a climactic episode in issue 12. So right. John Byrne's seeding now for stuff that he wants to do in later issues. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, rocks on a proper dicks. Yeah, all right. They're, they're, they've always been dicks, haven't they? They're, they're do- well, they're not I think dicks, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I'm just I'm reading the latest Thor run, and they're um, being dicks throughout the whole of the world tree. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, anyway, so Snowbird shows up to face Colomac, and he starts a massive blizzard, which then goes into what, six pages. Uh, one, two, three, three four, four, five, six, six. S- yeah, five and a half, six. Five and a half, I suppose six, it's six if you include the spread at the end. Yeah, that yeah. have no art. That are just blank white pages with panel shapes and lettering and sound effects like that. Yeah. Which, and there's lots and lots of really, really interesting stuff going on there as far as structure and comic narrative and yeah. and writing actually. As it, it's um. Yeah, but we'll we'll come back. We'll to talk that. about that in a minute, yeah. And that leads up to a double page spread where Snowbird causes a landslide that buries the beast and entombs yep. him back in the earth. And then the oil drillers show back up, going, "Well done, love!" And she flies off. Yeah, that's it. That's it for that bit. And then after that, we get uh, a little bit of the um, the history origin of the origin of Shaman. Shaman. And it's actually the second part of it. The first part yeah. was. Um, it, do you have any history about what he, the, behind his name? Two young men. I think it's part of John. So he's obviously Native American. Uh, I don't know what the the two young man thing is, uh, but yeah, it's it's part of Burns' push to inc- to make Alpha Fight as inclusive and Canadian as as humanly possible. Um, so that's why he's gone so hard on like the Native American stuff. I'm glad you said how Canadian it was, because that is the thing that really shines through on everything. It's just so overtly and aggressively Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's full on, um, which is good. I mean, uh, there's, uh, as I was, I, was tr- I was speaking to Bill, my son, about this the other day, um, and he was like, why is this woman talking funny? I was like, oh, she's French-Canadian. Uh, yeah. And she talks like that throughout the whole thing. Uh, only when she's in a certain persona. Uh, yeah. Or when she sort of gets... Yeah, we'll not go too much into that because uh, Roy doesn't turn up in this comic. So, no. um, Anyway, yeah. the Shaman history is actually a second part. It carries on from the previous issue. And I think he's just lost his family, basically. His wife died and his grandfather died. His grandfather tried to teach him his Native American, or Native, is it Native American? Indigenous ways? Yes. Yeah. Um, and he refused and they both died on the same day and he's basically been living in the wilderness for 10 years. Um, and he got a parcel from his grandfather, which turns out to be his skull. <laughs> his boiled skull. Boiled skull, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and uh, he opens it up and the ghost of his grandfather comes out 
and starts teaching him um, the, the mysticism and things of his heritage. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he, he strips down, puts a loincloth on, does a lot of exercise and becomes one with nature and learns lots of things. Yep. And it ends with Doctor Strange going, hmm, he'll do. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a nice little Doctor Strange bit right at the end. And then uh, you get told that next issue we're not going to worry about shaming. We'll we'll talk about somebody different. Oddly enough, we'll talk about the main character in, from the proper the the story we just read. Story, yeah. yeah. All right. So that sums up the comic for most part. Um, I just uh, at the end, are you reading it on the app on Marvel Unlimited? Marvel Unlimited, yeah. Because I'm reading it in like uh, an old floppy. Um, I first read it in in trade, but at the end of yours, have you got an advert about um, Seb Editors Week or whatever it is? No, I haven't. I've got... uh, It literally ends on the last page of the Shaman story, but on the very first page, there is a stamp that says... um, Over the art, there's like this little stamp... Assistant Editors Month. Yeah, and I did wonder what that was. I've, uh, yeah, beware, it's Assistant Editors Month. Don't say we didn't warn you. Yeah, it was, as f- uh, from what I remember from um, Marvel, the untold story, that the, auto- the biography of Marvel Comics, it was just something that Jim Shooter did. He just, like, let the assistant editors take over for a month. Okay. Uh, and I can't remember why or what the upshot of it was. But, yeah, just it's just a tiny thing. But the, right at the end of my copy... It's got a big picture of a lighthouse with assistant editor Linda Grant at the top looking out over a raging sea. <laughs> and it looks as if it's part of Shaman's his backstory. Oh, okay. <laughs> if, unless you read the, the little the thing, you'd assume that it ends with a lady throwing a, sh- uh, a message in a bottle off the top of a lighthouse. Or anyway. she took it as the opportunity to be the editor that month and put in a, put in a really aggressively... Um... Self-promoting picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I think, and she apologises that the letters page is missing that month, which is just—it's probably all right because it's probably just people moaning and being dicks like they are in all letters pages. Um, right. So that is the issue. Bef- so going through my brief agenda, there's actually a, so uh, sorry for the sake of the listening audience. I asked Ken to prepare three things. One I hadn't prepared, asked him to prepare it, was what was your history of Alpha Flight before I asked you to come on this podcast? Oh, that's, that's quite a long story. It's <laughs> basically um, uh, it's a very, very long story. You asked me to do it <laughs> and then I looked. Yeah. Um, no, I had, there's a, bit, a very, very small history and it is to do with this issue. It's my only knowledge of Alpha Flight and it is because of the unique and experimental approach to the, to the narrative in this issue. Yeah. Uh, mostly because I edit an experimental comic anthology called Slice Quarterly, and I've got a piece, um, I've got a script that we're working on at the moment that had this as a seed of inspiration. Yeah. And um, I've just got to do the design and layout on it. It's all written out, but we're going to do a similar thing where a story involves a small uh, animal in a snowy landscape, uh, being chased by bigger animals. And we're going to do it in the same sort of way. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, as I said earlier, it's one of the things which people remember most about Alpha Flight, this, this six white pages. Um, and he does a similar trick in a later issue where he does two black pages as someone is lost in the dark. 
but um, yeah, I mean, it is it is really famous. It's apparently from the meager research I've done, he got paid a uh, page rate for it. <laughs> I read that because I I looked it up as well. I, I was delighted to hear that he got paid the same page rate because the editor said it was well, artistically relevant or something yeah. like. Yeah. Um, but I also did enjoy the comments that it was a deadline crunch. Yes. Because <laughs> it's and that's why I like John Burns' run on Alpha Flight. It's one of the one of the reasons is that if you read it, you can read it just as stories, and he does a good job of telling straight superhero stories with, and I think a mostly interesting cast of characters. But on top of that, because he was working on this and Fantastic Four at the same time. Really? Yeah, so he was he was writing and writing and drawing both every month and doing the covers. And I think Alpha Flight, the way I read it, is the one which he would do shortcuts on. He would either sometimes there's bits in it which he obviously wanted to draw, so he just like really goes into drawing it. And then other times he will find interesting ways to lighten his load. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those. So the way I read this this section is that he probably plotted out every page, did all his panel layouts, and then went, uh, I haven't got time to do those. Uh, and then just like had it written and used that as a, as a creative way around that problem. I agree to a point, but I think he, to do that, I think he'd have had to have gone through and done quite a bit of rewriting. Now, in general, I know it's it's a comic of its time, so there is a lot of the captions or the dialogue explaining what the art is already showing. Yeah. But, so, it, it sort of carries on with that, because a lot of the text in the blank pages is very pointed towards what you're meant to be seeing. Yeah. But thinking about it, that, that does happen a lot in the earlier issues as well. There, there is a lot of the art and letters doing the same thing yeah and and part of that is um because john byrne was proper marvel um what's the word i'm looking for he was like a company man and fully ascribed to their working method which is um do an outline draw to the outline and then write over the top of whatever's whatever comes out um so i imagine that's how he was working on these as well yeah. So, um, is there anything? Because um, next question is, what did you like? So, did you enjoy these pages? Well, oh, if we would stick to these these first pages, and we'll come back to some of the later ones. Oh, they're, yeah, they're brilliant. I mean, if if it went the way you said it was, where he did the panel layouts first and just didn't have time to do that's it, that's how it looks like to. That's what it looks like to me. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. Sure, because I think. There's too much invention in these panel layouts compared to the rest of it. Yeah. So I don't think he, if he was, if he was going to intend to draw the art, I don't think he'd have gone as mad with these panels as he has. There's like real. So it's what the third, no, the the second page in the one, yeah. Huge overlaps where you'd be pushed to find to to get the art to work over that. It works as a panel arrangement rather than art. So I'm, I'm not convinced. I, I, I would tend to think that there's a, or at least on that page, that art wasn't intended for that. Yeah, because it uses. So just to describe it quickly, it starts off with a small p- 
panel in the top corner and then three subsequent panels get larger and overlap the one before uh and it's just it i mean he describes it in in the captions that you're you within the boxes snowbird and colomac that's his name isn't it they're falling down a cliff and you know what you probably could do the art as a progression through so yeah the panels just split up a single image so it would work yeah yeah uh and that's what clued me into maybe that's what he was doing but not necessarily because on the next one um if you turn i don't know if you turn the page or flipping through them but there's a big crack and where yeah. there's a big sound effect and where he's got that on he's actually um put this the shape of the sound effect into the panels yeah which is great yeah and i yeah so and that seems planned to me i don't think you no i think you're probably right because the letters would go would go over the art wouldn't they yeah um, uh, yeah so it is at what and the other thing i found interesting is that I don't think John Byrne is interested in experimenting with comics. So no. of, I don't think so. I think I am, which we know, and I think you are, really? which we know. I, th- very I don't. Quiet. Yeah, but I think he he's just trying to make superhero stories, and then uses the tool he's got. So experimenting is secondary to telling the stories he wants. That's um, the impression that I get. If I was making two books a month, writing and drawing yeah. is a crazy schedule, I would be looking for any shortcut I could possibly do. Yeah. And um, I would be so interested to know if um, he thought he was winging it, if he thought he was trying something on or not. I, I don't I, know, because he's an interesting character. Uh, and I I mean, part of this podcast will be discussing my opinion of him, but my opinion of him is based solely on having read his comics um, <laughs> and then sort of reading interviews and stuff with him or about him. But um, based on how he he's, yeah, he's interesting how he's made these comics. So just on a few other things, um, the, the double spread where the, the blizzard dies down. I remember reading that for the first time um, and just being so impressed by how he's rendered it. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to come to that because, uh, like you said earlier, you, you feel that, like you take some shortcut somewhere. But in that double page spread with the la- with the rock slide, there's so much detail, so much shading in it. Yeah. And then you turn the next page, and there's just no backgrounds. Yeah, I mean that's something that he does all the time. Um, and um, it, what he tends to do in all the pages, nearly all the pages at least, is he'll draw one panel with a background, and mm. then not draw a background in any others. Which is a really clever shorthand, to tell the truth. Yeah. It's, it's like setting the scene, and it's there, you just don't need to see it. And yeah, that's it. It, it gives a certain amount of leeway to the colourist to try and set a tone of what's going on in each panel as well. I mean, in on so it's the last, yeah, that, that is the last page of the main story. He sets the scene in panel one, and then you've got three different colour backgrounds in, in the last three panels yeah. to try and set the mood of what's going on. Which is a really clever device. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's that. And then I just want to briefly mention how cool this great beast looks like. So um, it's a big shaggy thing with like a Native American mask on with big earrings and sort of a, a, a stone torso. I just think he's so cool. You'd almost call it a tiki mask now, wouldn't you? 
I guess so, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that is awesome, and I wish I had drawn it. <laughs> um, the beasts have been really good, though. Yeah. I remember, I, I know I'm not, I'm not supposed to talk about other issues, but Tundra in issue one <laughs> was so well rendered, and it just looked like a bigger bomb little snowman sort of thing. Yeah. But this one, yeah, the affectations on top of it are, do make it really cool. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, again, talking about other things, I think he really enjoyed drawing Sasquatch. And I yep. think a lot of the design for this great piece for Kalomak is getting to draw Sasquatch without drawing Sasquatch. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it's a strange issue where it's only, so there's two Alpha Flight characters in it. And one of them is just a throw forward to what he wants to do in the future. It is a snot bird issue completely. And that's sort of a bit of a problem I've got with it. Because, okay. um, I mean, and it's even referred to in, in the story, which is Snowbird sort of says to herself, last time we had to tackle one of these beasts, it took all, all of us. Yeah. But I'll try my best. So she, she takes one <laughs> her own. Yeah. Which, um, I, I mean, it's sort of, it feels like halfway through the writing, he's gone, oh, I better cut off that plot hole, but we won't worry about it because it will be a cool solution. Yeah, that's a fair point. I find Snowbird the most boring of all the Alpha Flight characters. Glad you said that because I have <laughs> left me completely cold out of all of them. Yeah, um, and even some... Uh, up to where I've read, I haven't I haven't read all of Alpha Flight, but I've read some of the stuff after John Burnley's, and some proper horrible stuff happens to it. And even then, you don't really care very much. <laughs> um, but she's meant to be quite detached and aloof because she's not really human. She's she's a, a bit above all of this, isn't she? Yeah, um, she is, and and I think that's one of the reasons why she goes off and does ridiculous thing like she she there's an arrogance because she thinks she's better than everybody. Um, but yeah, she she is my least favourite alpha. Um, There's a strange reoccurrence of the idea that because she's taken human form, she's sort of diluted her power as well. Yeah. That occur, reoccurs a lot. And I don't really know what he's trying to say about that. Um, no, that's an interesting point. Um, In yeah. the issues, it's happened at least twice where someone has said to her that you, she's her power is diluted because she's a human taking human form. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that, I don't know. It just struck me as an odd turn of phrase. Yeah. (laughs) There's some interesting later issues, um, where you meet like her, I suppose her parents, like the gods that, which created her. Um, and they just like, as from what I can remember, they just hate humans. So (laughs) it could be something to do with that. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. Um, like the page where Coromac rises from out of the oil field is brilliant. Yeah. That is a fantastic page. There's this massive burst of light coming out of an oil tower and men running away, the tower being destroyed, and then this massive monster just comes out of the earth. Yeah, lots of swooshy brushwork as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, is, yeah, I like that one. It's flat colour. That's what I really like about yeah, these like, older comics that they don't faff yeah. about. Yeah, the inking really, and it it adds to the inking. It puts emphasis on the inking. Um, because some, I mean, yeah, 
I mean, I do love modern comics, but it is so hard to tell who does what on some comics. Yeah, and I much, much prefer flat colours. Um, that's my that's my go-to. That's what I prefer to read. Um, and let, I mean, sometimes the colourist is amazing, uh, and there there are notable exceptions, and we know very good colourers. But I prefer to read flat colours to pinnist. Yeah. But there's a there's a certain skill in flat colours because some of the colour choices are strange, but add to it. Yeah, but, that's fair enough. But again, that's that's as I wonder how different it is what I'm looking at on screen compared to what you're looking at in print because a lot of it will have had to have done with the processes at the time. Well, yeah, I mean it's interesting because the whole thing is like totally white except that I'm reading a 25-ish year old copy so everything's slightly yellow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I bet that takes a little bit away from the (laughs) snowy scenes. It does a little bit but at the same time it just smells like an old comic which is is the best smell Um, so I'm, I'm fine. Um, have got this in trade as well, uh, but it's in storage at the moment because I'm halfway through moving. Um, so yeah, um, huge history of old comics. I'm very much a modern comic person. I didn't get into collecting floppies until very, very recently. Well, I read Alpha Flight in trade and then and then started going back and buying the copies because I'm an idiot mm-hmm. um, who definitely doesn't need a full run of Alpha Flight, but I'm only a few issues off. So are you really? Yeah, not not. All of it. But, what does it uh, go to? About 100 and... Yeah, it goes up to about 110. I haven't got... A lot of the later ones I haven't got. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of them. Oddly enough, I, I was... Have you heard about this... Uh, the comics that released on the month of your birthday? Yeah. Your birth? I looked up mine and the ones one on sale was Alpha Flight 1. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I might have to um, start that off with that. <laughs> Uh, that's a confusing issue, though. I mean, obviously, at some point we're going to talk about Alpha Flight One, but why put all the superheroes on the cover if they're not going to be in the comic? Did um, yeah, because like I said, I did read it a bit. Yeah, there's a very there's a very confusing Wolverine origin in it as well. Yeah, well, I mean, in that's interesting. It, obviously, it's nothing to do with this issue, uh, and I suppose if I was going to be strict with my format, I wouldn't discuss it now. <laughs> but um, this would be released around the time that. Because uh, Wolverine, when he was introduced to X Men, didn't have a backstory. Mm. So um, between Byrne and Claremont, they were creating a backstory for him, and so Byrne made part of his original backstory that um, he was brought up. I mean, he's an old man who was then brought up by James and Heather Hudson, um, and was owned by the Canadian government for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is an. Can you I mean, explain to me the choice with the Canadian government thing in the story? What, why? Because it, it starts <laughs> the series where basically that it starts a series called Alpha Flight by disbanding Alpha Flight. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. Um, well, because I get the impression, again, this is just from reading the comics, that um, Byrne didn't like... I think he did the Alpha Flight comic because they introduced an X-Men and they were popular enough from their appearances in X-Men to get their own comic. But I don't think he was that invested in it. I think he was just doing it because he was being paid to. Um, so the the, prem, the original premise of them being um, would have been set up by Claremont, I think. And I think this was his rejection of that. 
Um, again, that's just me reading the comics. So I read uh, a lot of love in the first six issues. Like I said, so much Canada, so much. I don't think he's very keen on the first Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. Um, I guess, yeah, it, it's funny to think about. I, I guess I approach comics as the thing where I do because I love them. Yeah. But to put it in the context of a job where you've got to get two out, where you do everything each month. Yeah. Then, yeah it might have been more of an inconvenience than <laughs> a passion and, project. Yeah. And I think, I mean, because... Uh, Alpha Flight doesn't say still it's like X-Men that the main group of X-Men stayed the same for years and years and years and they'd like drop a new character in and take one out but Alpha Flight moves around a lot so like Marina who is a founding member of Alpha Flight is not in it very much at all really I quite yeah, like yeah she pisses off with uh, Namor pretty early on you don't see her again yeah I've already read that it's already done before this issue yeah I think it was um, four yeah it's four yeah I think she comes back uh, she just pops in and out every now and again, but yeah. Yeah, that's uh, with Namor and um, Sue Storm showing up. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, that, that uh, I I'm mistaken. There is a she does have another storyline later on, um, where she's heavily involved, and it's again it's part of her alien past. Um, but yeah, she's not in it very I mean, much. I need to find things that I didn't like, and my main disappointment was that Puck wasn't in it. <laughs> well, yeah, he's everyone's favorite character. <laughs> Um, just, just because they treat him so horribly in the language they use about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it, is, it does show the sign of the times. Uh, Byrne obviously wants um, to have a very inclusive roster. Um, so he's got people with various disabilities in, uh, and he includes more of them as, as the, it goes on. But the language used to describe those people isn't always what we would be comfortable with. <laughs> I mean, it is very of its time. The, 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 the sexual politics and gender roles is quite entrenched. Yeah. Um, I think, although, I'd, I'd encourage you to carry on reading, because they do improve a bit. Um, oh, it doesn't yeah. It doesn't bother me so much to say. It, no, but what, it what I'm saying... Like, oh, it was early 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's very early 80s. But, I mean... Um, for all of Burns' faults, I know that people think he's a bit of a dick, but the politics that he's trying to achieve in these comics, for instance, Northstar being the first gay character, that's just because Burns was like, there's gay people in real life. There should be gay people in comics as well. That hasn't so, come across at the minute. I think if you read it knowing that he's he's gay, you're like, oh yeah, that, yeah, I can, so like he spends all his time with men. Uh, and rejects women, and they sort of disguise it as him being... The Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you read it knowing that, that North Star is gay... Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't uh, it's obviously been, there. For want of a better phrase, come out and announce that that was the case. Yeah, he was always he was always a gay character, and then in a much later issue like firmly in the 90s. It's the most 90s horrendous <laughs> piss-poor effort, which I'll cover in a different episode. Uh, he comes out, um, and it was it was a big deal at the time. I wasn't fond of North Star Aurora, to tell the truth. Um, no. I, I don't mind North Star so much. I think he's actually... He's more of a human character than some of the others are. Um, 
I mean, all the characters are very dislikable in their own way, <clears throat> which makes is it there... an interesting comic to to enjoy because uh, James Hudson is very worthy and very boring. Uh, Heather Hudson is very mumsy. Yeah. Um, Even though she's only like really really young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I suppose she's mumsy because our mums were a bit like her. I suppose at the time she may have been a bit cooler. I don't know. But it was just, it was a bit weird. Um, their history where she met and she's like only seventeen. Yeah, that was a bit weird. <laughs> but like you said, it, it's sort it's nice or it's what's the word? It, it's encouraging that he's trying to put across a I wouldn't say representative, but. It's progressive compared to comics of the time in Marvel. It's it's surprisingly progressive. I think so. It is progressive in it, but yeah. in doing so, the characters there that are trying to show some inclusion mm. are simply there to display their differences. That's so, interesting. You say that um, Aurora in I know we're skipping about issues. Yeah, but Aurora in particular, when she she has dual personality basically doesn't she it's yeah. schizophrenic a very badly handled split personality yeah. yeah and that's um yeah that's quite clunky puck his superpower just to, seems to be he's quite strong but he's very very vulnerable um he does get beaten up a lot he does hurt a lot. i mean he got disemboweled in like the second issue yeah <laughs> um yeah um yeah, I guess again, it's it's a sign of the time sort of thing. I guess it's the the most you could get away with at the time. Yeah. Mm. Um, and there probably weren't that many people telling, giving him any pointers on how to do it properly. So he just went all in. Well, I imagine that no one was really thinking of it. No, they, they wouldn't have been. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd so it's been. I'd have loved to have been on in any editorial meetings and things that you had about this book, though. I don't think you'd have had a lot of say, to be honest. Uh, I think you would have get, gotten railroaded by, by Byrne. Um, really? I think so, yeah. Um, so was I he quite so. well thought of in Marvel? Yeah, no, he was a big he deal. His own so he'd be, so he, he was drawing um, X-Men for a while with Claremont. So their run on X-Men is... Um, is very it's very good uh and it is what made uh, between um burn and cockrum it's what um oh, drawing it is what made the x-men what they are because they were a failed comic until they got on board um that that's sort of broad uh, there will be people who argue with me about but yeah so john burn was very highly thought of because of his work on x-men uh and was he got frustrated working with claremont and then um yeah, went off and did his own thing. Went off and did Fantastic Four and Alpha Flight as well. Um, yeah, and he just he was a, he was one of those people that started off as a fan, um, and was very much uh, enjoyed working for a company rather than uh, uh, he wasn't in, he wasn't interested in creators' rights. No, put it that way. Um, yeah. Right, so I am going... Have you got any final thoughts before we draw us to a close? Because I think if we carry on much longer, I will end up talking about every single <laughs> issue of Alpha Flight. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's not the point of this podcast. That's about it. There's, there's very little I 
disliked about it, to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, everything sort of... Yeah, there's a weird couple of pages, but like you said, it's throwing forward. That breaks it up a bit for me. I, it seemed a bit odd. But it only seemed odd looking through it again. Yeah. Um, I really like the blank page, the, the blank artwork. I think I would like to think that he intended to do it, personally. Okay. Just because, in my mind, it's a nicer story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love to know what the letter, the, the, the guy that did the letters thought of it as well. Because even though, even though, um, there's no art there, he still treated it as though there is art there. All the lettering's still in the corners. Yeah. It's still exactly yeah. the same as, as aesthetic and approach that he's got with all the others. So I'd, I'd just be so fascinated to know if there was tools or anything that he had to work over that didn't appear later or. Yeah, it's possibly, he might have got, um, uh, breakdowns beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. But no, there's very little to dislike about it, to tell the truth, but he, he's got a lovely economy of line work. Yeah. Um, so and I think sometimes he does really enjoy drawing, so he'll make excuses for himself to draw. So, uh, for instance, the, the first page of the, the shame and backstory, he does a lot of drawing there which he doesn't necessarily need to. No. Um, and yeah, later issues with Sasquatch, he, he just introduces reasons to draw Sasquatch doing stuff because <laughs> I think he likes drawing hair. Um, that's my take on it. But, but that is for a, a different episode. It, uh, must be strict. <laughs> from our point of view, though, it, as people that sort of make comics for enjoyment and still have a certain amount of stress about that, yeah, it's interesting to think of someone in a company man, as you say, hmm. um, doing things for his own enjoyment within that yeah. structure. Uh, but that's what, maybe he hated drawing Sasquatch. But I mean, Sasquatch was a, was a was a popular character, so maybe that's why he had to keep on drawing him. I don't know. But right, yes, I am going <laughs> to draw a line down the middle now uh, and say thank you very much, Ken, for joining me. Um, if people want to find you on the internet after this, where can they do so? And do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, let me think. I'm at Ken Reynolds Design on Twitter, or K Reynolds Design on Twitter. Uh, KenReynoldsDesign.co.uk has links to pretty much everything I'm up to. Um, there's nothing to plug at the minute. I'm coming to, just to the end of a Kickstarter now, which will be finished by the time this goes up. Uh, uh, yeah. But you can really... who knows when this is going up. No. <laughs> but that was for the second collection of Slice Quarterly. But most, nearly all of that can be read for free online at slicequarterly.co.uk. And if you like an experimental approach to comics like this might have been, <laughs> then we <laughs> emulate some of that as well there. You've just reminded me actually talking about Sliced. I've got a confession to make about Sorrow of the Listening uh, listeners, I have some pages in Sliced. Um, and you know the abstract ones that I did that other people wrote over the top of? Yeah. Uh, they were a four-page sequence that I uh, had intercostaled a Sasquatch fight from Alpha Flight. Really? <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and then didn't tell anybody because I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be known as the person that keeps drawing other people's comics. Uh, yeah, so that's that. Oh, I'm going to go back and look at those now. <laughs>
Um, but yeah, uh, and I, as I said earlier, am Gareth A. Hopkins. I am on Twitter at G-R-T-H-I-N-K, which is pronounced Gerthink. Um, and I am currently working on a book called Petricor, and I have a shop, which is gerthink.bigcartel.com, which has some of my comics and my book Found Forest Floor on. Uh, you should go there and spend money. Uh, thank you again, Ken, and thank you for anybody still listening to this. And um, I will, you will hear me again on another episode of Alpha Pod Flight. Uh, say bye. Bye. <laughs>